Welcome to Decoding Superhuman. This show is a deep dive into obsessions with health, performance, and how to elevate the human experience. I explore the latest tools, science, and technology with experts in various fields of human optimization. This is your host, Boomer Anderson. Enjoy the journey. Welcome back to another podcast, Superhumans. My guest today is somebody who I'm happy to call a friend. You know him as Dr. E, I know him as Mo, but Dr. Mohammed Eniat is a general practitioner with further training in so many disparate fields. Functional medicine, age management medicine, aesthetic medicine, oh yeah, and medical management. Dr. Mo is the co-founder of LMS Wellness, the world's first integrative medicine and biohacking center in London for human longevity and performance medicine. The bar at LMS is set pretty high. It's not healthcare in terms of the absence of disease, but rather it's a nirvana of human performance and endurance on all kinds of levels. I think we've set the bar pretty high with that introduction there. So what did we get into today? We talked about COVID, specifically what you could do as a person uh, sitting there listening to this podcast to avoid this resurgence, if you will, that is seems to be going on around the world. We then build out the complex system, and you guys know how I love complex adaptive systems, with Mo to talk about things that you can do in your life to just perform better. Dr. E and I talk about functional medicine testing, the different offerings at the bar at LMS Wellness, and so much more. The show notes for this one are at decodingsuperhuman.com slash D-R-E, as in Dr. Dre, but Dr. E, our guest today. 2020 has been an interesting year, right? Not many of us expected to be grounded, not being able to travel all around the world and do public speaking events like I do year in and year out. What 2020 has been in terms of positive side of things is a re-falling in love with Amsterdam. You guys heard this in the last podcast episode, but also delving into the more natural ingredients in the world, things like mushrooms, and the medicinal benefits of these mushrooms. I get to use reishi in the evening to relax, chaga to really just boost my antioxidant capacity, maitake for immune system function, which has lately become very, very important. And of course, cordyceps going into my morning cacao beverage that just lights me up and gets me ready to go. My choice on mushrooms is Kappa Health. That's K-A-A-P-A. And if you head on over to kappahealth.com right now and use the code BOOMER, they have this really cool random pack of mushroom tinctures, which I enjoy. And you'll get to try chaga, cordyceps, maitake, and reishi all in one. And I think they even threw shiitake in there too. So head on over to kappahealth.com and use the code BOOMER for a 10% discount. Let's get on with the conversation with Dr. Mohammed Eniat. Dr. E, welcome, my friend. Hi, BOOMER. So you and I have met on one chance occasion at Health Optimization Summit. I know we have just probably 
like this world, uh, kind of our network grows in fractal-like nature. And so it's nice to be in touch again in this format and actually click record on some of these conversations because you've been pretty proactive when it comes to what the hell's going on in the world these days. And so why don't we, why don't we jump right into current situations because uh, you've done a lot of research and been very proactive in terms of providing people information with regards to COVID, this pandemic, and what you can do. Um, how do you look at just resilience and immunity in a situation like this? And what are some basic principles that you recommend for people? Yeah, I mean, so I think the starting point is understanding when we talk about resilience, we're talking, I'm talking about it from a physiological perspective. Obviously, mm-hmm. you have the emotional resilience, which, which impacts your physiology. However, there are other factors that impact how resilient your physiology is. And one big component of physiological uh, resilience is your immune response, okay? And how healthy that immune response is. It became really fascinating for me um, and quite emotionally challenging as well, um, with COVID coming in from several perspectives. Here, was, here I am as a doctor trained in the UK system, a GP. Um, outside of that has been lucky enough, fortunate enough to create my own mini health system, adopting testing the way I want to do testing, therapies the way I want to do therapies. And COVID came along and the, the medical system came to a bit of a halt. You know, there, there's a, there is a bunch of physician, experts, scientists, physicians, and this kind of uh, system that you know works really well to some degree with acute conditions and has typically grown through protocolized care. And now came COVID, something we haven't dealt with for over 100 years, a really kind of problematic uh, virus. And everything seemed to go up in the air. People's, you know, the physicians were, were getting lost. When making in trying experimental drugs and thinking, and I was, you know, and for me, it just it it was both it was emotionally taxing, but at the same time, I felt like we had so much to share, right? Just from the learnings that I'd done in applying functional medicine and other types of medicine, and creating this system that I created. So there was two things. One was obviously getting back on the front line, helping out as much as I can. Uh, second was disseminating some knowledge that can be applied without without being expensive to apply so no you don't need to go into expensive testing and so just kind of mass for the masses as much information as possible of how to build that resilience so i'm going off top you know, i can i can talk so boom reel, reel me back in at any point um and and then the third was how do i engage the medical community how my how how can i try to influence my contact to the local hospital trusts speaking to their ceos say look let me Let's help the frontline workers. There are things, IV infusions. They were talking about high-dose high IV vitamin C. They were talking about use of antioxidants. Hyperbaric now has been shown. It's just common sense, though. You know, to us, it's common sense. You, know, you, mm-hmm. you can hyperoxygenate the blood in a condition where you can't get oxygen in through your lungs into your blood because of the mechanical block, because of the fluid that seeps out from your blood vessels that blocks your expansion of your lung tissue then hyperoxygenating the blood will help ozone therapy if you had of ozone therapy you, you might you will know about ozone right like again another way to hyperoxygenate blood but secondly also a way to kind of reduce down inflammatory cascades so we started looking straight away is like, okay what what's you know everyone was saying that covid's unique you know it's 
you know, let, so we started looking at basic virology and basic immunology. What happens as an immune response? What are the stages of immune response? What are the components of an immune response? Um, mm-hmm. And then we started to look about what look at what's so unique with COVID nineteen, and then we came down with we understood very quickly that with COVID nineteen, the people that go on to develop this ARDS, acute respiratory distress syndrome, which is basically leakiness of your blood vessels that drives in the fluid to seep out around your lung tissue, and from which they start to get the patchy consolidation or pneumonia around the lungs, and then the prothrombotic state, which comes later, which gives you the multiple clots and yeah. DIC, um, it's an inflammatory problem. But that inflammation comes day 10. And, you know, what are we doing the first 10 days to reduce the viral replication, to support a healthy immune response, to prevent that inflammatory cascade? And what is it about certain people that causes them to, to uh, mount such a hyper-inflammatory response? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure over, over time we'll find out more about this. Yeah, so let's double click on a couple of things there. So, in terms of um, first, those certain groups of people that kind of mount that inflammatory response, what do we know right now, or what have you seen? Because you've been in touch with people on the front line, and the UK has been pretty affected when it comes to COVID. And so what are some commonalities that we see? And then I'm going to come back to you on the first 10 days uh, thing after that. Um, so, you know, broadly speaking, the stuff that's been published so far has been around the kind of uh, BAME community mm-hmm. uh, um, has been uh, more affected for various number of reasons. So that's number one broad kind of commonality that's been found. Second commonality that's been found is underlying conditions where their physiological resilience will be less. Mm -hmm. Underlying autoimmune propensity conditions, conditions where people are more likely to develop an autoimmune reaction. So they have rheumatoid arthritis, inflammatory bowel disease, you know, um, et cetera, et cetera. Those kind of hyperimmune uh, patients. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, these are some of the early patterns that 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 are evolving. And obviously, you know, the, the elderly who have underlying uh, multiple metabolic, you know, there's the, the whole metabolic conditions, which are you know, the vitamin D deficiencies, you know, something that's commonly found. I mean, yeah. So there are a few patterns that are evolving. My theory and take on this is that the, we all have the genes and the propensity to drive an inflammatory response. Those genes can be turned on and turned off by our environment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, my, my suspicion is that the people that mount a more of an inflammatory response, a hyperinflammatory response, are, are those that have those genes switched on because of their lifestyle yeah. already, right? Because of where their health status is at. Mm-hmm. how they eat, how they move, how they stress. And it's not something that's static. It's not like, okay, today I ate, moved, slept well, and therefore my genes switched on or off now. It, you know, it's a creeper. Yeah. Disease, death, and, you know, aging, they're creepers. Mm-hmm. Right, and it actually, for me, they start in our twenty. I believe generally, a general population, they probably start in our twenties. I, I start completely to age agree. In our 20s, yeah. Right? Um, 
yeah, to answer your question. Yeah, it, it definitely. So the, the comorbidities and also the fact that to me, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure kind of statement that, that makes perfect sense, right? Like if you've been obese your entire life, you can expect to a certain extent that some of these things may happen to you and you may be more susceptible to them. Now, you mentioned something earlier about the first 10 days and some of the stuff that we can do there. Uh, I would love to hear more about some of the things that you've been talking to the front line in terms of what are the first, what can we do in the first 10 days to really prevent those extreme situations where people get intubated, for instance, um, and yeah. some of that pneumonia condition. So the strategy should be, I mean, so we do know a couple of the, uh, another thing, which is the amount of virus you're exposed to will dictate the, um, the impact it's going to have on you. So viral mm. load, we know high viral load will have, higher uh, mortality morbidity mm-hmm. with that condition mm-hmm. um why is that very simply because when a virus enters your body it it uh, invades one of your cells and it start, uses the engineering within each cell to start replicating then mm-hmm. there's a race that starts a race between your immune system your white cells to keep up with that virus that's replicating and trying to keep up with that and kill those cells that are replicating, but there, it's always a lag. There's always a lag, right? Mm-hmm. And so the bigger the lag, one turns to two, to four, to eight, to 16. So if you're exposed to 10 to begin with, 10 to 20 to, you know, to Come 40, 18, yep. et cetera. Yeah, exactly. So we know that there are certain things that we can do to um, support um, the white cells, the, the white cells to reduce by replication. That's why, there's advocation of antiretrovirals very early on, hydroxychloroquine with zinc. There's been talk about it, you know, mm-hmm. fascinating the, the talk about it. And the doses that have been applied to hydroxychloroquine, of course, are going to cause side effects. Mm-hmm. People are giving 10 times the standard dose of, you know, hydroxychloroquine to people. Mm-hmm. It's going to cause side effects with it. If you give the kind of normal prophylactic, you know, the normal dose, lower dose, and you started earlier. That's the key. Started early, right? Mm-hmm. Early symptoms. Started a test early, um, and and etc. And so yeah, hydroxychloroquine with uh, you know with zinc, high dose vitamin C. Again, you know, it's, it's vitamin C is used by your um, immune cells as part of their first line defense. It's stored in the organs of your immune system. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a high, it's an antioxidant itself, and therefore it reduces oxidative stress. One of the mechanisms, um, and then there are um, there are obviously other kind of adjunctive things um, that you can take, uh, and there's kind of herbals like oil of oregano oil has been shown to have anti-inflammatory properties. So things that you want to keep your inflammation propensity down, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, black cumin seed oil. So these are kind of supplements or herbals you could be taking. There's also kind of mushrooms, medicinal, you know, medicinal mushrooms that you can take. Uh, so there are, there are natural naturopathic ways to do this to support your systems. Begin alongside some of the kind of um, we say experimental drugs. And now you know um, uh, dexamethasone or steroids have been shown to be helpful. Why is that? We know steroids reduce down inflammation or hyperimmunity, right? mm-hmm. um, and uh, so they. Yeah, so that's why dexamethasone and steroids have been shown to be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So those are things. And then things you can do. So those are things you can take in. Then there's obviously things that you can try and do yourself. And the, the things that you can do yourself for me are more in preparation of if you get exposed to it. Mm-hmm. You know, starting to eat clean, fix your gut, healthy microbiome. Don't be driving inflammation through your gut. You know, fix gut dysbiosis or leaky gut. You know, I'm saying stuff, Boomer, I'm sure your listeners would have heard of. So if you want me to explain it, just tell me at any time. Of course. Because um, I've heard it on your show before. So, you know, things like leaky gut, which drives inflammation, inflammatory response, antibodies are created in by your immune system to set foods that escape through the junctions of your gut lining. That's mm-hmm. a big source of inflammation. So the things you can do to prepare yourself, reducing down the physiological stress response to by controlling our exposure to biological stresses or perceived stresses by our biology because we know their stress response is related to uh, depleting our immunity. And if we think very simply uh, you know, of the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, as we all know very well, it's really important. That's kind of a real-time physiology. Sympathetic nervous system will keep you alive now. Parasympathetic mm-hmm. nervous system will keep you alive later for the longer mm-hmm. run, right? And to, your immunity comes in, in line for the long run. So it's activated with your parasympathetic is, you know, that's when you're, that's when you're really, your immune system is really working. Um, and then in the parasympathetic is right now, you know, it's the adrenaline, as we know. So if we think very simply along those lines, there's a couple of things you can be doing. Your nutrition, how you control stresses and you know, everything from blue light blockers to, you know, helping your circadian rhythm, you know, come back aligned with its natural cortisol production. Mm-hmm. Through through exposure to daylight first thing in the morning, mm-hmm. expo- ex- um, reducing exposure to synthetic light light in the evenings as much as possible, um, and being yeah just just understanding that our immunity is not just it's not just the passenger within us. We can actually kind of upregulate it. We can help it. Yeah. Very 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 important. Before we go, because there's something that you just touched on there that I I, I love, and we're gonna go into that probably for the remainder of the show. But before we go into that, in terms of testing for COVID, is there anything that you've seen that you're like, okay, this is a good idea. Like, should people be getting antibody testing? Do antibodies, do we even know that they work? Uh, What do you think about that stuff right now? Um, So in terms of, so I looked at, you know, we looked at COVID testing because we obviously had a few patients that wanted, wanted to get testing done. It was such a dynamic crazy and interesting time now that's why i'm asking you by the way yeah (laughs) it was and it's just been like it's just been like this you know there's been there's been a black market that's arisen from testing not just testing uh global black market i mean you probably have people you know gloves alcohol gel like everything it's just masks why not masks yeah like it's it's been it's been a wild time wild wild west in many ways and testing fell fell into that as well um to some degree and some and so the big thing about testing is the ability to contextualize the test for the patient, mm-hmm. right? In terms of their history, in terms of the examination, and in terms of uh, the test itself, specificity, sensitivity. Um, there, you know, there are tests that you use to see if you've had it, and those tests are antibody tests, but some tests are more sensitive and specific to know if you've had it within a certain time range, or some are better if you've had it more than 14 days or 28 days prior, right? Mm-hmm. Then the question with then the question comes in. We don't know how long you'll be circulating antibodies for, in particular, in, in uh, with regards to 
COVID-19 don't have the longevity data. So how long will that test be picking up your antibodies? How sensitive is it for circulating antibodies? And then, you, yeah, so there's IgG and IgM. So that's this one test. Then you've got the kind of DNA-based test of to see if you've actually got uh, viral DNA in your blood circulating at the moment. And that's, you know, they're, 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 and they're very good. Now, in terms of the antibody test, the finger prick tests, are, some of them are quite are good. You know, they're, they're good, but their gold standard right now is a serum test. Mm-hmm. So take, taking a bit of blood, send it to a lab, and it takes two to three days, to, and it still looks for antibodies. That's mm-hmm. the gold standard at the moment um, that's being used in the UK. And then mm-hmm. you've got the DNA, obviously, can be taken from the swab. That's why they're yeah. swabbing a lot. So um, PCR. Um, and then around that, you know, so that's just looking at is the virus within you or have you had that virus. Around that, you can look at how much it's impacted your immune system. There are other markers you could be looking at. Your white cells are breaking down, yeah. your white cells, lymphocytes, et cetera, et cetera. You could be looking at your liver function. We know the ACE2 receptors, which COVID impacts, which are in the lungs, are also represented in the liver. And, you know, so some patients you want to be looking at their liver function tests mm-hmm. as well you want to be looking at their how it's impacted their metabolism you know, their glycemic control during mm-hmm. this time and obviously kind of um, inflammatory markers low-grade inflammatory markers high sensitive crp so there are kind of other generic tests that you can be looking at to complete your picture mm-hmm. um, and i think it's important to do actually if someone's um, genuinely concerned and if they've got some symptoms mm-hmm. so uh- this idea of testing, and one of the reasons I actually didn't intend for this to be a very large COVID discussion, but since you're on the front line, I had to ask a few questions. Uh, what I wanted to get into with you is um, the idea of kind of assessing the the game field, the um, the opportunities for somebody to build resilience, to improve immunity, and all of these things in terms of uh, how you look at it with your patients. Cause I know you have a very data driven focus at LMS and you personally have a background in functional medicine. And so, you know, what are the, how do you lay out that game plan for people in terms of testing? What are you looking at? So yeah, the, the game, the laying field for, mm-hmm. what was the question? The play, the let's, let's um, if you were to determine the playing field for people, because everybody's individual and we know this, right. Um, but there may be some basic principles that if somebody wanted to go out there and get their hands on or start to really build their own battle plan, how do you do this with your clients? Because there's thousands of tests out there. Not everybody has the okay. thousands and thousands of euros. That's right. right. That's yeah. right. Absolutely. Where do you go? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a really, really good question. And I think it's, it's one that's been, I've been working on for several years. Mm-hmm. So how do we standardize personalized medicine? Right. And you know, this is an extension of your question. And how do we make sure, I mean, the good thing about being trained in, within traditional medicine is that you really quickly understand that when you're seeing sick people that, okay, what test is actionable? Mm-hmm. I'm only going to test for things that I am going to do something about. If I'm not going to test and, um, and um, uh, you know, we don't want to test just to gather information because what that can end up doing is leading you down rabbit holes, number one, as a practitioner. Um, and number two, can start to create paranoia. Mm-hmm. Patients. 
Because we need to understand the relativity of each of those mechanisms that you're testing for mm-hmm. in that person at that given time. Mm-hmm. Okay, you've just expanded this into like a, this becomes a multifactorial problem very quickly, right? And so how do you yeah. look at that? Yeah, so I mean, so for me, as I was going, th- this is the mindset that I went through in for the last five, six years, trying to uh, apply it our approach to testing that understand that, you know, starts with, okay, how do we, what are the, what's the relativity of the process? What's the relativity of DNA mutation? What's the relativity of oxidative stress? What's the relativity of hormones, of micronutrients, of digestion, mm-hmm. of, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And we've come up, we think that the most important- Dr. E, can you just define real quick relativity and how you, what you mean in terms of- What I mean by relativity yeah. is, is in our processes and systems going on within our body at any given time, mm-hmm. how, much of, how much of that is going on that produces health yeah. or disease at any given time? Mm-hmm. I.e., how much of it, if I, if I manipulate it, how much of it's going to move the needle? Okay. Yeah. So if you think of testing as a pyramid, yeah. foundational testing, and now we're, you know, your foundational testing is, let's start with that. For us, foundational testing is, gut is very important. Yeah. yeah? So we, we think the gut, gut has, uh, yeah, you know, we are going to, the gut testing, and I'll go into that in a second, hormones. Mm-hmm. So looking, hormones are our thermostats within our body. So they, they essentially control our mood. Um, our energy, our libido, our sleep. And we, when you look at hormones, you want to look at them as how they are. They're a symphony. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they're controlled by the, uh, the hypothalamus or the pituitary within our brain. And there's negative and positive feedback cycles. And embryologically, the adrenal glands and the thyroid gland come with the same tissue and they separate. So there's more communication than we understand. Mm-hmm. And, and as physicians, we all understand this because we're taught in this scientific core science way. This isn't new to us. We're taught in this core science way in year one, year two, year three medical school, but we don't apply it. Because when we apply medicine, we apply it. Okay, you go to a diabetologist for blood sugar issues. You go to a thyroid specialist. You go to a female doctor for your female hormones. So we start to comp- compartmentalize these things. Yeah. The hormones are really important, right? So HPA axis, hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenal thyroid, male male or female hormones, that as an axis. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we look at that. That's number two. So, so far we talked about gut, digestion, micronutrients, inflammation coming through the gut, two, hormones, mm-hmm. yeah, the whole hormonal axis. Um, we mentioned, I mentioned micronutrients, so things that are going to be involved in your energy production pathways, particularly like that's where methylation might come in, mm-hmm. um, your, 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 your B12 folate, your MTHFR, um, your, your, and your vitamin D, which actually we classify it as more as a steroid hormone rather yeah. than a, a vitamin. Because once it gets um, to 125, it functions like a for- hormone, right? So Absolutely, absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's amazing, like, you know, when you, like, when I was, like, 2000, so back in the early 2000s, vitamin D was never talk, talked about. 2008, I just remember the seven, 2007, 2008, we started, realizing that everyone was deficient of vitamin D. Yeah. Like literally, like you would test. And it was not got to the point where there's not no point spending any money on a test because you knew everyone was deficient of vitamin mm-hmm. D. Yeah. Like when you tested, and we would in primary care, we'll be testing everyone with vitamin D status. And you're like, 
we know it. Everyone, everyone, literally everyone was deficient. You just give it to people, right? <laughs> He's yeah, just like, just hey, you need it. Yeah, you just give it to people. Okay. Mm. Um, and so, uh, so there's those, those for me are the, and then obviously you want to be looking for um, just your general, your, we put routine tests in there. So your kidney function, your liver function, yeah. your complete blood count with differential. So you can see um, what's happening with your white cell. So that's more kind of like traditional medical screening tests um, that go alongside that. Lipidology is very important. Metabolism. Mm-hmm. Again, you know the link between, and so for us, lipidology, we want to be breaking that, not just screening lipids. And I was talking to a friend yesterday, um, who's, who's a physician as well, and her mom had a bit of chest pain, and we were talking about, we ended up talking about cardiology and its and it and the approach and how, as an organ, it's so important, but still we haven't nailed preventative cardiology very well. Not how many people have heart attacks? Yeah. And this is one of the most fatal conditions, right? And we just haven't nailed preventative cardiology mm-hmm. at all very well. And so we were talking about that. And so lipidology comes into that because we're screening HDL, LDL, very basic. We don't go into the lipoproteins. We don't go into the small density. Like we do. We think it's very important. You understand. So, this. so you're, understand. You're, you are looking at particle fractionation, right? So yes. you're okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we look at particle fractionation. We look at your A protein E gene. We only look at a couple of genes. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that we look at is meta- metabolism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We now know back in the day when we were growing up when we were kids, you know, it was, and young adults, it was like, you know, low fat diets. You know, that was the thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, Ansel Keys, right? Fat free, uh, fat free, fat yeah, free. You know, it's uh, just ridiculous. Yeah, still, I mean, you go to a Dutch grocery store and there's still fat-free everything. So Seriously, yeah. I mean, you can find it, yeah. Yeah, but this awakening wasn't there. People now are, are, are um, I'm way more awoke to the fact that, you know, that is just ridiculous, you know. Yeah. Um, and the whole, like, fortified cereals, you know, we used to think Frosties was good for you. Mm. Um, yeah, breakfast anyway. of champions, right? Wheaties. Yeah. Wheaties, yeah. I hope Wheaties doesn't sue me for this, but, you know. Um, and so, yeah, and now we realize that, you know, sugar is the big problem, you know, and, you know, and, and so metabolism is super key, like how, and the link between metabolism and lipidology mm-hmm. um, is key. And then the link between sugar, cortisol, and now tying in the sugar to the other hormones. Mm-hmm. Set. So um, those are the foundational, ideal foundational tests. If someone was looking to, if for us to understand where we can move the needle so that they feel better. And ultimately, um, ultimately, you will drive people to live longer. But you know that's not you know what it's all about for us. It's about right here, right now. We want you to feel like you did five years ago. Mm-hmm. Energy mm-hmm. production, mood resilience, digestion, taking the nutrients out of your food as you need to do it. You know? mm-hmm. Stronger immunity, because as we age, it's it's a cre- it's a creeper. It creeps, and we don't you know this is the problem. The mindset problem we're in as a society is that we've always been entrenched to believe that we're healthy until we're sick, mm-hmm. right? And that, you know, we're, we kind of, especially in the UK, and that's why one of the, we're seeing such bad yeah. results in the UK, is that we basically give our health to the, the medical system. We say, you look after our health. We'll come to you when, you know, when we're sick, mm-hmm. right? Um, and 
And uh, but now we 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 know we've always known actually, but you know it's it's becoming more and more clear that you know we can control our biology from the real time physiology perspective, which will impact the long term health. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that you just talked about there, in terms of outsourcing health to the government, if you will, which is. Yeah. A big discussion, frankly, everywhere in the world, right? Like we don't go to the doctor until we get sick. And the doctor is really there just to help us uh, cure symptoms rather than get us healthy. Um, What do you think the tipping point in that discussion is going to be? And this is just something that I'm grabbing out of the air because I'm very curious what you think, because... You know, Malcolm Gladwell tipping point, and there needs to be more of a discussion and more of action around empowered responsibility. What do you think that is? I have my own hypothesis, but I would love to hear yours. Here we go, here we go, here we go. When it comes to upgrading performance, which is what LMS is all about, there needs to be a discussion around upgrading cognition, focus, short term memory, verbal fluency, all of these things. And my favorite tool for this right now is a buccal trochee, which dyes my tongue blue. Some people call it Smurf mode. I call it limitless. Transcriptions makes the product blue canatine, which is my current favorite nootropic for all of those things I just mentioned. We're talking verbal fluency, short-term memory, limitless-like feelings that even give me a desire to do my taxes. Yes, let me say that twice. I have a desire to do my taxes when I take blue canatine. Wow. So if you want to try this out, where do you go? Head on over to troscriptions.com slash blue canatine, and you can use the code BOOMER for 10% off. I enjoy this so much that I'm involved with the company now. So you should check it out, troscriptions.com slash blue canatine, and use the code BOOMER for your discount. Let's get back to my conversation with Mo. Okay, so so for me, it's all right. The way I see it, all healthcare workers are in it for the right reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't. You don't go become a nurse or a physician for the money. Yeah, you're not. You're going in there to help people, right? And yeah. then over time, as our health creeps towards a decline, you your your motivation to and your autonomy and independence of thinking starts to also become you become indoctrinated in the system mm-hmm. right i think the big lever that hasn't been used well enough is the engagement of that medical community in a language that they're indoctrinated through mm-hmm. right and what i mean by that is the language of the traditional evidence based approach okay mm-hmm. where there is no point you know there is no point us doing this amazing work without trying to present the findings and the 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 anecdotes because we all have patients and people we work with that have been transformed through these ways of working how do we standardize it into a language that is presentable to the medical community that they can just sit back and say, whoa, they can't argue with it. Right now, there's, they're, you know, they're just, oh, it's too anecdotal. There's, there's no evidence. There's no evidence because of that whole linear-based approach to evidence, adop- adopting science and innovations mm-hmm. through that linear 
pre-disease, post-disease status. We need to overcome that, and that's going to be overcome, I believe, that we're trying to do through this helping people understand the processes and standardizing the data's pre- and post-intervention, data point pre- and post. And bringing into those data sets on a real-time real time markers, we can start with something like this, but you know, yeah. there are others, and they will improve over time. But that, that for me, is where if we can, if we can, and this already, the awakening is starting to happen within the medical community. And that's, yep. I'm, I'm a product of that, right? Mm-hmm. And there's going to be much more. UK is a little bit behind compared to some of the other places, but there's going to be more of it as more physicians like myself work with more patients who become patient advocates um, of this type of way of working. So that's one, one big lever is the evidence base and how we present that evidence base and standardizing it. And I would love to see some centralization of our evidence yeah. um, through the many practitioners around the world um, to say, you know, but the, the problem that dilutes here is that the education and the approach of um, is, is quite variable. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. And that's because the, the education for the practitioners is quite variable in the, in the education. Also, there is inbuilt inherent bias within the education because a lot of the education is given by supplement brands or testing companies. Yeah. The, right? uh... So there's some inherent bias there. So, and that's because, so what, what we need to be doing is set, learning some of the great things of the institution of medicine, which is some, you know, some elements of um, sharing, learning, standardizing evidence, democratizing expertise, training programs, you know, multidisciplinary team, integrated team care approaches, which is what we're trying to do create a system that can deliver this and, mm-hmm. and what we're, you know, what I've been working six, seven years, 10 years in that mindset of, of trying to get towards, and it's another 20 year plan. Um, but, and centralizing, you know, we need to, we need, we need support from universities. We need some access to PhDs mm-hmm. you know, who, who can help us mine that data, collect that data globally and say, okay, well, how many metabolic patients, pre-diabetic patients have we seen? How many COVID patients have we seen within our network? Okay. What was done? And we've got the technology now. The technology is there to be able to mine the data. It's just about pulling it onto ultimately one spreadsheet. We were talking about spreadsheets earlier, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's so, about collaboration too, right? And I know Cleveland yeah. Clinic and um, I think Patrick Hanoi in particular and a few others have published papers on just the effects of this kind of approach, which we'll label as functional medicine, right? In terms of that integrative approach, um, in terms of better outcomes, and I'll link to that one in the show notes as well. But uh, this is this is absolutely fascinating. Now, I want to, before we get into the rapid fire questions, Dr. E, uh, I want to talk about some of these uh, therapies you mentioned earlier in terms of hyperbaric oxygen and ozone. Um, because at LMS, and you know, I, I love the place, uh, you guys offer these. Now, uh, we have people listening to this who have more of a a performance mindset in the sense that they're pretty healthy and they're looking for optimization. When we look at, uh, let's just touch on a couple, ozone and hyperbaric, how would you use those in that construct, maybe even in terms of resilience? So maybe like in the show notes um, would be cool if you can put my so in uh, I'll, I'll share it with you like our complex systems approach to health i'll quickly mm-hmm. go into that to help you understand how i came up with the therapies and how we integrate them and what i Beautiful. see the indications for you're yeah, right mm-hmm. so the way we approached it is okay look what are the 
let's start with the outputs of health. What are the things that we produce from our, and that we, that we would regard as feeling absolutely amazing. That's our, that's our kind of, um, uh, that's our nirvana of health is Mm -hmm. that vitality, which is defined as strength and youth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we came up with 14 outputs, energy, mood, sleep, immunity, digestion, inflammation, body shape, hair, skin, et cetera, et cetera. Then we said, what are the biological cellular processes and pathways that produce those individual outputs and how are they interrelated? So we came up with 10, 10 groups of biological um, inputs, everything from um, oxidative stress, um, inflammation, uh, detoxification, micronutrients, hormones, etc. Right, and we obviously know that um, they're interrelated, so that they one of them will be involved with another, and they cause two or three outputs, not all fourteen. And then the middle circle is um, how our environment, how we eat, sleep, move, stress, stuff from the blue zone works and biohacking world, how we can shift our physiology to improve our outputs. Right. So it's the interplay between those three circles that ultimately drives those outputs. Then we said, okay, let's map the data points attached to the the middle circle, the inner circle, the biology. So that we talked about some of that in the foundational testing and the real-time physiology and static measurements you can take. And then um, we said, okay, now we understand where you're at and where things are going off. What are the therapies that we can apply to some of those 10 groups of things going on? Right. Mm-hmm. So that's how I curated the, the therapies and that's how I see them being applied. Hyperbaric oxygen, because we're applying them just like, you know, as you're describing, we're applying it to pre-disease patients predominantly. Mm-hmm. We're trying to help people feel the best they can feel and perform whatever their, you know, whatever their life goals are, you know, mm-hmm. achieve those life goals. Just help your biology work for you, your health work for you, energy when you want it, sleep when deep and restorative when you need it because when you sleep better you have better energy you have a better day yeah when mm-hmm. your mood is more resilient you're going to make better decisions absolutely yeah? so we started creating creating therapy so in the therapies we currently use hyperbaric oxygen therapy mm-hmm. um, we use intravenous uh, iv iv nutrients um iv laser therapy mm-hmm. yeah uh, german technology um uh, ozone therapy to reduce oxidative stress reduce inflammation that's our primary thing we use ozone therapy we use, we use 10 pass uh ozone i was gonna uh, ask because 10 pass yeah. is the yeah gold yeah, i guess you call it the gold standard right what is that yeah yeah we think it's the gold standard we're, mm-hmm. we're delivering it by clinicians as well right so it's uh we can afford to do we can you know can do a bit, be a bit more aggressive mm-hmm. uh, we're trained by a chap called professor lahodli he's the one that pioneered the 10 pass in austria he's got a few ozone sensors a, a surgeon by background in his 80s amazing amazing man um so we use that for reducing oxidative stress and reducing inflammation and and supporting detoxification mm-hmm. like we would recommend yeah, doing that once a year for detoxification mm-hmm. supporting it once or twice a year if you can within the space of a week or two weeks hyperbaric mitochondrial health yeah mm-hmm. angiogenesis mm-hmm. so creating micro capillaries has a massive impact on cognition in enabling self-healing pathways when we it helps drive deeper sleep stem cell production through the pressure change from your bone marrow as well so that's how it comes in you go we'll put the circle up and you'll see stem cells are in there as well so 
That's where hyperbaric comes in. Mm-hmm. And you know, the Nobel Prize was given just now but to the scientists that found um, hypoxic induced factor, um, HIF, in, mm-hmm. uh, uh, as, the, as the protein that's related to um, chronic disease over time related to tissue hypoxia. And mm-hmm. that was just this year. So we're going to start to see hyperbaric being used a lot more for longevity and um, preventing disease. So ozone hyperbaric cryotherapy. I think cryotherapy is so underrated in so, so many ways. Um, and it, can be, it should be used for people that have performance goals, whether it's physical or otherwise. You know, typically, we say performance as we see it as a physical thing. Yeah. But actually, perform, if your biology is performing, you can be the best rock star singer. You can be the best super mom, super dad, whatever. You know, it applies to everything. It doesn't have to just be having six pack and being ripped, right? Mm-hmm. It applies to every aspect of life. And so I love cryotherapy, whole body, whole body cryo. It shifts your physiology. Shifts your, you know, it helps you build that physiological resilience. It shifts your hormone status over time. You start to produce your own growth hormone, your own testosterone, shifts your metabolism as well. Mm-hmm. You start to speed up thermogenesis and create heat to you know, keep the temperature back up. And that, that should, helps to shift your, your metabolism. So people, if you do that a bit more regularly, it, it's game changer. And obviously, you know, you want to go down to a therapeutic dose, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the evidence is in the lower, lower temperatures, minus 120, head in uh, downwards to minus 140, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so there are some things to learn about that. Um, and then you're working with, to develop neurofeedback programs, working with um, uh, Dr. Andrew Hill. I'm not sure if you've had him on your podcast. Yeah, I've had Dr. Hill. I've been to Peak Brain as well. So. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. we're, we're, you know, I love his methodology. It's amazing. A really, really intelligent, smart man. Um, and his team does phenomenal work. Um, and so we are, we're trying to introduce. So I, ultimately what I do is I, I have enough core knowledge to be able to curate different approaches and mm-hmm. see how they fit into the system mm-hmm. right um and then bring them in so that you know that neurofeedback based approach is part of the mind lab um, um and what else so we offer we're looking at biological approach to so that stem cells mm-hmm. um uk regulation is very kind of uh, iffy about it so we always want to be staying within regulation so we are kind of navigating that, working with some of the professors at Imperial College um, to develop programs around that. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's it for now in terms of the therapy. <laughs> it's quite quite a bit in comparison to what most people have experienced. And yeah, you know, I, feel, I, would, I would encourage people to come and check you out in London as well. Um, yeah. And what's quite nice is compounding them. Mm-hmm. We can compound the impacts by just understanding mechanically how they work. We put together, we have two, an Ironman protocol, which is, you know, which is quite nice, which is like an IV, it's giving the IV nutrients into your blood. They're circulating those nutrients, good quality ones. And we know all our food gets broken down into these core nutrients anyway, vitamins, minerals, amino acids. Mm-hmm. So we give you the core ones that bypasses your gut for those people that have dysbiosis. Then we, we activate your cells with these uh, different wavelets of uh, laser energy. So you can red for ATP, UV mm-hmm. for reducing parasites. It depends on where someone's at. Yellows activate same same pathways as going into the sunlight. Mm-hmm. Vitamin D production pathways. Um, then we put you in oxygen chamber. The pressure drives down and helps those nutrients go into the cells better, right? From your from your blood, as it does, as it helps, 
also the oxygen go into your plasma. So you start to circulate. And Scott's been on the um, podcast. He's yeah. actually, you know, he's he's on, you know, he, he he's helped us understand more and he's consulted, you know, he's, he supports us with hyperbaric as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're now giving hyperoxygenating all your cells, so the mitochondria in your cells producing ATP. You're giving the nutrients that those that the DNA will code the cell what to do with it, take those building blocks and make different things. Mm-hmm. Then we put you in the cryo, causes this constriction and reactive hyperemia of your blood vessels. So you get real delivery everywhere. You get this metabolic shift. You get the kind of hormonal impact. So, you know, people are feeling amazing for one to two weeks afterwards. It takes mm-hmm. them out of this kind of like some people, motivation is a big problem for high performers. Hard to, you know, if you're, if you're on top of your company, you know, and you've been doing it for a while, six, seven, ten years. You, you know, gotta keep hard. going. It's, yeah, it's hard, and you've got you know, it, it's hard, and the the environment is volatile. When you run a company, and you're, you know, COVID's a perfect example, right? Like, it's when you own a business, it's a hugely dynamic time. You have to adapt. Mm-hmm. There's so much. Yeah, you need clear thinking, and so, you know, having your biology working for you is really, really a game changer. Absolutely. Doctor, you got me really excited, man. I, I got to see if the trains run into to London today and <laughs> just come down and visit you. Uh, I want to oh, transition yeah. now into a couple of rapid fire questions before we wrap yeah. up. Uh, book which has most impacted your life and how you show up to perform in it? Um, if I just have to name one, let's start with, start with why. Okay. Simon, Simon Sinek. Sinek. Yeah. yeah, I really love that book. Um, values, purpose, mission, um, staying core to your core values for, you know, has been a game changer for me. Interesting for my journey is like I started in aesthetic medicine. Mm-hmm. I was never, you know, I, I worked in the stem cell industry prior to that. I was a doctor, you know, I worked in setting up a digital health accelerator, but my sister wanted to, so I helped her do that. I could have been stuck in that and it's, you know, it's a profitable business. I could have stayed in that. But, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't sitting with my core values. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was, so that, that book conceptualized it very nicely. Slim mm-hmm. book. And, um, easy, and it was easy to follow. Yeah, yeah I just reminder. remember the line that he repeats often in that book. It's like, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it, right? And um, that, that's great. What's your top trick for enhancing focus? Ah. Uh, a cheat? Can I give you a cheat? Yeah, yeah cheat is, yeah. Cheat is GPC. really good. GPC. Liquid GPC. Uh, okay. Just for short term. Short term. Um, so we, yeah, liquid, uh, yeah, glycerophosphocholine, precursor mm-hmm. to acetylcholine. It, for me, it's just, it, all, it never never lets me down. Good. It's so good. It's so good. We actually, yeah, we actually created our own one. Yeah, I, I mean, I always love hearing the cheats, by the way. It's great. Uh, and I look forward to trying the, the liquid GPC when you guys come up with uh, your own one. Yeah, sounds up to you. Uh, Dr. E, where can people find out more about you? Um, on our website, on our social media. So I've got at by Dr. A, at BYDR.E is my uh, Instagram, my LinkedIn. I'm starting to use that a bit more frequently. Um, Look, drop drop me an email if you're in London. Come visit. You know, you you'll see things that you're not expected to see at a medical clinic. Yeah. The way we deliver health is 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 it's a it's a conception. It's there as a museum for people to kind of engage with health. Mm-hmm. Come and visit. You know, if you're in London, come and visit anytime. You know, doors are open. Um, awesome. For 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 people that are interested in health. 
Awesome. Yeah, so that's you know, just come. I'm always at work, pretty much. Sadly, yeah. uh, it's and, ha- and happily. But if you love what you do, that's what matters. Because uh, I'm very firm believer. If you love what you do, you can work. And there's that phrase: "You never work a day in your life." I'm not sure I necessarily believe that because certain days are harder than others. But it's a good one. I think we're, we're you know, as, as you we so, met, briefly mentioned this earlier, we're so blessed to be in a space where we feel that we can have we can contribute back to society positively mm-hmm. um through our work mm-hmm. and it's um and and it's helping the adoption of new ways of working that can further the improvement and that can have a wider impact and that's why we're doing that's why you're doing what you're doing that's why i'm doing what i'm doing right is ultimately mm-hmm. it's not about us as individuals or the core people we work with but hopefully through this podcast through what you're doing you're going to be inspiring more people that yeah actually can take control of your biology and who knows there might be a phd researcher there might be some there's going to be ripples mm-hmm. and it's from our intention that this stuff happens you know like we're authentic intention and hard work keeps us going and then the universe seems to respond to that right because the universe wants improvement you know wants good stuff to happen um, cheers cheers to the ripple that's uh, that's a great place to leave it dr e I look forward to conversing more, hopefully in your Absolutely. hyperbaric chamber in, in yes, London. Yes, we should do a session in that. <laughs> Absolutely. I, hey, I, I'm going to get myself pregnant with that right now. Let's do that. That would be that would be a lot of fun. We're going to have to release the that. video too. Yeah, Dr. E, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Been amazing. To all the superhumans listening out there, have an epic day. All right. So... I got lit up at the end when he was talking ozone therapy, infrared IV, and all kinds of other cool gadgets, which I'm really looking forward to try the next time I'm in London. If you guys want to check out LMS, you can go to lmswellness.com and book your appointment in their London uh, headquarters, if you will. But if you wanted to find out more about this episode, head on over to decodingsuperhuman.com slash D-R-E, as in Dr. E, and We have everything we talked about listed there for you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, share it out on your favorite social media channel. That could be LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, whatever you're using these days. And tag Decoding Superhuman because I love to hear more from you. And if this really grabs you in a good way, head over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts as it's now known, and leave us a five-star rating because each one of those ratings really, really helps. And while you're at it, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Superhumans, thank you so much for listening. Have an absolutely epic day. And remember, choose health.